so good to have you all here and so good to see you uh, this morning. You know, Jesus is what we need, what we've always needed. It's what we need this morning and it's what we will always need. And the two big questions that we need to ask in life, and indeed everyone needs to ask in life, the questions are so obvious that sometimes we don't take the time to answer them. Whether we know Jesus, whether we've been brought up in church, whether we've been brought up in the Christian faith, or not, whether it's the first time we may be looking at these questions, whether in the room here or watching online. And these two big questions are so life-altering, so life-changing, that these are the questions that we need to ask even before we ask the deep questions that burn within humanity and therefore burn within you and I. The questions like, why am I here? Why do I exist? Do I matter? Now, we ask these questions, whether we like to ask these questions or not, because it's human nature to ask them. However, we feel or not feel we have things sorted or things all together. And sometimes it's very easy to pretend um, and a mask, put a mask on that we have all things together and all things sorted. The truth is, none of us do. Whether we like to pretend we do or whether we don't, none of us in reality do. And the first two questions are so obvious and so simple. It's these. Does God exist? Does God exist? And two, does he matter? Does God exist and does he matter? As we learn in school, or I guess uh, maybe some learn in school, I don't think I learned this in school, but, but I do know this. As we learn in school, that the air we breathe is almost made up of nitrogen, 80%, and oxygen, 20%. If I asked you if you believed in nitrogen, you would certainly say yes. But if I asked you if you knew how nitrogen affected your life, you would probably admit that it made no difference. You'd believe it was there, but you would have never have thought about it or particularly wanted it, and certainly it would not affect your decisions. Oxygen is a different story. Though you believe in it, you would also know how dependent you are on it. To breathe, we all need to breathe, to burn fuel, and so on. You will know how difficult life is without oxygen, and it would drive all sorts of your decisions, from holding your breath underwater to using an asthma inhaler or preserving rainforests, for example. See, a lot of people and a lot of us have to admit that sometimes we are more to use the analogy, nitrogen believers in God rather than oxygen believers in God. We must admit that 
Sometimes we believe that God is there. God exists. In one sense, it's the most obvious thing that there is. It's the most obvious thing that the majority of, of, of humankind has believed and adhered to in society. Now it's the most common thought that a deity, a divine being exists throughout all of history, known history, um, the most common thought is that a divine being, a God, exists. Of course he does. But yet never acknowledge that he matters. And we need to come to the terms with that and, con and conclude with that in our own lives. Is it often the most obvious thought that God exists? Of course. But how much does he matter? How much is the reality that God exists affects our, our thinking and our actions and our lives? So it's one thing to acknowledge that God exists, but another thing altogether to know that he matters. It's also a life-altering reality when we know that God does not only exist, but that he has a name. That God has a name. Therefore, God knows our name. He knows your name. He knows my name. And therefore, we can know God personally. We can know God intimately. We can know God. That, whether that is the first time we hear that, or that is the hundredth time, or the thousandth time, or the millionth time we hear that, that is the most life altering fact in reality that there is. It's the most important and most pertinent and most urgent question that we can ask ourselves. Does God exist? Yes. And does he matter more importantly? And today we begin a new sermon series called Jesus Said. And as we look at what is known in John's gospel as the I am statements of Jesus, the I am statements of Jesus. You, if you've been brought up in church, you'll have heard that before, the I am statements of Jesus, maybe first time you might be hearing that also. And John is one of the four gospels found in scripture. The other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, predominantly per se um, uh, shows uh, what Jesus did. John's gospel really shows us who Jesus is, up close version of who he is. When we see Jesus declaring, I am, revealing his nature, his attributes, who he is, and each of the I am statements of Jesus has massive transformative implications for you and I and transformative implications for, for our friends, for our family, for Kosaith, for the nation, for the world. Jesus, I am statements change everything. And we read in several occasions in John's gospel where Jesus says what is known as the absolute I am statements. For example, we first read here in John 6, verse 20, which is a well-known narrative of Jesus walking on the water. When we read in John 6, verse 20, but Jesus said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Where Jesus said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. 
And where the words it is I translated from the original Greek, which the old predominantly the old testament, the New Testament is written in, it translates the divine name I am. Read of similar occasions in John 8, 4, John 8, 28, 58, and right at the end of the gospel during Jesus' arrest, which we read the, the narrative in verse, uh, chapter 18, verse 5, we see in all these occasions Jesus using these, this absolute divine name of God, I am. And although Jesus um, makes many more statements and teachings on himself, the I am statements he makes stand unique as these statements reveal the true character and nature of God. Does God exist? And does he matter? So why I am? Why I am? And although God, being God, we can never know or comprehend all the marvelous complexities of an eternal, pre-existent, all-powerful, all-good, all-wise being. Although we can never comprehend that fully, the amazing thing is that we can know him personally. That blows my mind that we can know God personally. We can know God personally. Because God has made himself known in the person of Jesus. God is not some mysterious being, which many think that he is. People's perception of God will be somehow based, if not on scripture, will be based on some caricature of that that maybe has been perceived. But God is a rational being that we can know and relate to. We can know him, we can relate to him. And indeed we'll find everything we ever need and more. And God has done everything to make himself known in creation and creating mankind, you and I, in, in his image with a, with, with a God-shaped um, space in our heart that can only be satisfied by who, him who made us, by giving us a conscience to determine right and wrong, pointing towards who God is. And through personal and spiritual interactions with us. And most fully and ultimately in the person of Jesus. And you see, because we are creatures, and sometimes that is, that, that is not always an easy thing for us to admit. Okay, us who like autonomy, us who like doing our own thing, us who like being in charge and being in control. Anyone out there like that? Nah. Nah, no chance, no chance. I don't know, I don't even know where that analogy comes from because I can't relate to it one bit, right? But each of us like a bit of autonomy or a lot of autonomy. But we are created beings, okay? Yes, in God's high created order, humanity, okay, as, 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 as Sam as, as people would know, puts it. 
But in reality, we have a creator. Let that sink in. Does God exist? Does he matter? We have a creator. It's God. And as created beings, we sometimes think that we can somehow look down on God. If we admit in our life, we sometimes think that we can look down on God to try and figure him out, to try and work him out. But in reality, we are always, always looking up. See, just like ants can never look down to try and figure out us as humans, they're always somehow <laughs> needing to look up. It's the same, or not the same, but when we need to understand that first of all, God being God needs to reveal himself to us, which needs humility and not autonomy. Sometimes we think we have all the answers because we know it. Whether that's we know it in the world's eyes in terms of the intellect or research or whatever, or in terms of scripture, and we know it all because we know the Bible, and yes, God reveals himself to us in Scripture. So yes, if we know our Scripture, then we should know more of who God is. But we still need humility and allow this Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts through his word. So I am, why I am, I am is part of the divine name of God and part of his self-revelation in the Old Testament Scripture. And we first read of God's self-revelation in the story of Moses and in the story of Exodus in the story of Israel, sorry, in the second book of the Bible in Exodus. This is where we read of the account of God calling Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, which becomes Israel's and God's people's birth story and the miraculous deliverance and freedom from the hands of Pharaoh. So we read in Exodus 3, verse 13 to 14, Jesus said, Mo, Jesus said, no, Moses, this is about Jesus, so it was also in my head, which is good. Okay, Exodus 3, verse 13, Moses, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what? is his name. Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. And this is not a one-off name that God simply just plucks out of the air not get time this morning to, to unpack that or depict it, but it's most likely the basis for God's divine name in the Old Testament, Yahweh or Jehovah, as we would um, maybe note more in our English language. But what a name of all the things that God could have chosen to call himself. He calls himself, I am. Of all the things that God wanted for us to know about himself, 
the name I am shows that God is. That God is right at the center of what God wanted us to know about him is that he always was, he always is, and always will be. That picture of God blows our minds and puts everything else into perspective. I am who I am. God is. Always has been and always will be. And translated from the Greek, which the Old Testament's written in, it reads, I exist. Does God exist? Does he matter? I am who I am. I exist. I be. I am. In the very first line of the Bible, asserts the same truth in reality. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And how often do we run about our lives knowing that God is there, but not knowing that he matters? Has it been a follower of Jesus? It's like a disciple of Jesus is like, not only knowing that he is there, but knowing that he matters, so life-altering that it affects every decision, that it affects our very being, that it affects how we pray. You know, the most common thing across all of humanity, whether Christian, non-Christian, believe in God or not, is that we pray. In the deepest moments of our life, we pray. And as, as believers, sometimes we pray with a knee-jerk reaction, don't we? Or better pray about that, rather than inviting God into every aspect of our very being. For God to exist means that he's pre-existing, means that he, he is eternal, means that he's all-powerful, he is the source. He's the source and center of, of all that are, there is. And we can know him. We can relate to him. We can have a relationship with him. We can invite him in every aspect of our life. We can invite him in every aspect of our church. As we seek God and reach out to our community and spread his love and the power of his gospel, we invite the eternal, pre-existing, all-powerful God into that and allow the Holy Spirit to move among us. See, when we're together on Sundays and we're together anytime we meet with God's people and anytime we come and open God's word on our own or, or, or start to pray to God um, on our own in our bedroom or wherever we pray, that's who we are praying to. And actually, as we know, as we said there, the fact that God exists is the most natural thing in the world. As somebody once said, of course God exists, just look outside and you'll see the reality of the all-powerful creator God. And as we know, humanity has never bought anything else other than that. But the name I am is more than believing that God exists. It's believing that God matters. 
believing that God matters. And God's self-revelation as I am shows that he matters in every way. And back to our nitrogen and oxygen <laughs> believers analogy, often we can be nitrogen believers in God, knowing that he's there, rather than oxygen believers. Not only does God matter, but God is all that we need. Just as vital as our breath. God is the source of that breath. He's the giver of that breath. He's the sustainer of that breath. If God somehow stopped being God, which he won't, obviously, then that breath is gone. That's who God is. He's the source and center of all. So when Jesus used the divine name, I am, to reveal to his followers who he was, he was saying as clear as he could, not subtly, but as clear as he could, that he was God. As to become no more fully through his resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit, he was making it clear as he could, I am who I am. I am God in the flesh, the sustainer and source of all. I am, I am all, I have always been. I am pre-existent, I'm the eternal son of God. I'm Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is the one true God who's the source and all origin of all of our existence. That changes the way we worship, church, doesn't it? Where worship is giving God his breath back. That changes how we pray. That changes our discipleship and how we grow as Christians. Believing in Jesus, trusting in him, trusting in his word, following his ways. When we doubt, when we feel ashamed, when we feel lost, Jesus is the answer. And as a perfect image of God, he's the source of all we need and more. And Jesus fulfills our deepest longings. Jesus fulfills our deepest needs. If you have been searching, if I've been searching for our longings and deepest needs to be fulfilled elsewhere, we need to turn from that this morning and we need to turn to Jesus. Subtly, we can turn to lots of things to fulfill our deepest longing other than the one who made us. His way is the best. Pride hinders us from living in that truth. Religion can hinder us from living in that truth. Jesus is what we need. He's all that we need. You see, He's the answer to every question. Doesn't mean that we will find the answers we are looking for to every question, but we will find the Jesus as the answer. And as we'll see in the upcoming weeks, Jesus doesn't stop there. He makes seven clear I am statements that reveal his character, his attributes, and how 
Jesus meets our deepest needs. See, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, which we'll look at next week. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the gate of the sheep. Jesus says, I am good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. Each of these statements have life-altering implications for you and I. We become an encounter who Jesus is. We find all that we need and more. Where we find Jesus, the source and center of all that we need. And I don't know about you, but why I need Jesus. If I can humbly say, you need Jesus. Our town needs Jesus, our friends, our family. We need Jesus. He's all that we need. The life of Jesus can come into our hearts through his spirit and transform us. He's all that we need. So as we come each Sunday, we come with anticipation. We come with inviting those in that need to hear who Jesus is. And back to our first two questions, does God exist and does he matter? Well, in Jesus, we find a resounding yes to these two life-altering questions. Therefore, mean that the life-altering reality is true for you and I when we discover that God does not only exist, but that he has a name. His name is Jesus, who is the great I am. And the second life all in reality that we come to realize is that because God exists and he has a name, Jesus, that Jesus knows our name. He knows your name. He knows my name. That's how personal this is for you and I. That means that we can be fully known, fully known, fully loved, having the deepest needs of our hearts met in him. And God desires to know us personally. God desires to know you and I personally. We're going to pray in a moment. If the worship team could get ready, that would be great as we worship to close. I want to invite us all this morning to respond to Jesus. There's many ways we can do that. That doesn't always need to be public. As many times as I was seeking God for my own as, as a young person, many times as a mature Christian, many times as a, a, mature, a mature pastor, 
that's a joke, but no one laughs, it's fine. Many times as a pastor, I've been on my face crying to Jesus. He's all that we need and more. And first of all, if, if you're in the room here or watching this online, if you've been sent this by someone or you're watching it on YouTube, and you're ready to say a yes to Jesus for the first time, that's a decision to become a Christian. That's a decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus, to make Jesus what we would call Lord and center of our life. That means a turning away from ourselves and our sin and a turning to God for forgiveness. Where through Jesus, that relationship with God is restored. We'd love to give you the opportunity. So, so others who might be listening to this are in a room and, and there's, a, there's, there's a sense of your heart being opening up to Jesus for the first time. Let him in. Pray, ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. And for all of us, there's an invitation to come to Jesus. There's an invitation to come as we are, to have our needs met in him. So as we, as we pray just now and as, as we worship This isn't just theory this morning. This isn't for the person next to us or behind us, although it is. <laughs> it's for us personally. For some, this might be a public response. those who want to receive Jesus for the first time if either in the room or watching it please please get in touch with us please if you're here this morning come and let us know we'd love to pray with you if you're watching this online please send us a message please contact us we'd love to give you the opportunity to come to Jesus for the first time if you have questions about Christianity and want to explore further First of all, start by inviting Jesus into your life. And please come and join us on Sundays and midweek. But for us all this morning, I want to invite us to come to Jesus. The great I am, the source and center of all that we need and more. For some, this might be a watershed moment, a line in the sand moment, 
if we've been far from God, if we've been drifting from his presence, if we know that God exists, but he's not really been mattering in our lives. Let's come to him this morning. His open arms of love, grace and mercy. If we are hurting this morning, if we are in a struggle, let's come to Jesus this morning. He's all that you need and more. If that's you this morning, I would love if you wanted to come forward for some prayer. As we, as we worship for the last song, if you want to come forward for prayer as a, as a public step to say, Jesus, I need you in this moment. I need you in this struggle, Jesus. I need you in this moment. I want to bring this situation to you in my life. It's the great I am as a source and center. Then I want to invite you to come forward. Sometimes that moment, that step forward to say, Jesus, I need you. You might want to respond in worship by raising your hands up to him. As a sign of saying, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, you're all that I need. You might want to kneel down before him and say, Jesus, you're all that I need. You might want to grab the person next to you or maybe give them a tap on the shoulders, maybe a bit easier, and say, can you pray for me? <laughs> can you pray for me this morning? I need Jesus. So great if we... Stand together, or obviously you can remain seated if that is best for you in this moment to allow God to speak if that's easier. We're going to worship this song. I would love if you want to come forward for prayer, please do so. If you want to respond by asking the person next to you to pray for you, please do so as well. As we declare how great God is, as we declare that he's the name above all names, as we declare that Jesus, you're all that we need, we're all responding this morning to Jesus as the source and center of everything. Brilliant, thank you.